Her emotional state felt like this empty abyss that sucked all empowering emotions out of her life. Knowing the truth is assuring, but it's not until our knowledge matches with our experience that our hearts will allow us to rest in the knowledge of the truth. Today, we're going to hear about a single statement of a father that led to an unhealthy dependence on family and insecurity concerning friends and even in her relationship with God. Welcome to Unquenchable, where we discuss all things biblical theology, listening prayer, and Christian living. Each week, we'll share a discussion, an interview, or a story that will feed your spiritual curiosity, helping you to better understand the Bible and receive inner healing so you can grow in intimacy with Christ through prayer. In my Gospel of John class, we were talking about John 4, where Jesus tells the woman at the well that if she'd asked him, he would have given her living water, and that she would never thirst again. As we got into the conversation about what it means to have this living water inside of us, we all agreed that it was referring to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that the living water had something to do with the Spirit's ministry. I then asked, what does it feel like to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Because if we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that should feel like something. I was honestly wondering what the class would say, especially since questions concerning feelings are not a topic of conversation in Bible classes. The students searched for their answers a bit. It was as though they were attempting to translate feelings into words. Then they began offering answers like, it feels like complete peace, love, and perfect joy. And as I collected the answers, I was surprised to find that what the students were essentially doing, seemingly unintentionally, we're compiling a list of what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22-23, here Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I thought, of course, it makes total sense that the indwelling of the Spirit would feel like the fruit of the Spirit. After class, Emily came to me because she felt as though she wasn't experiencing this abundant life of the Spirit like some of the other students. Jen, you were there with me during this prayer session that happened after class. You want to tell a little bit about what happened? Yeah, as we prayed with Emily, she saw her emotions as being like this bottomless pit. So let me just say for a second, when any imagery comes up, we always encourage our prayer leaders to try and ask God what he's doing or maybe what he wants to do in her life rather than telling the prayer participant what to think next. So as we were praying with Emily, we asked God what he wanted to do with this bottomless pit. Then without specifically introducing him into the prayer, Jesus arrived on the scene and he filled in this pit. Now, instead of her emotions being like a pit, they were like this circle of dirt. And then we asked Jesus what he wanted to do with this circle. And she saw him plant this single small pink flower in the dirt. And then as we ended this session, she just kept saying that she felt so light and free. Yeah, her countenance was totally changed. So much so that I was so encouraged and I said, go and live your new life. What happened after that? Well, about two weeks later, she returned and she said that she wanted to continue to live within what she'd experienced in her previous prayer session, but she was struggling to walk it out. So we prayed again. And this time as we prayed, she said that this small flower had multiplied into an entire circle. Yeah, I love that kind of picture of growth and vibrance and how that one flower just multiplied in her heart and her mind over the course of the two weeks. Yes, but as we prayed, the circular patch of flowers was completely surrounded by huge trees that blocked everything else out. These trees were so large, 
that she couldn't see beyond them, and they blocked out the outside world and any visible light. So although her flower garden was much more peaceful than her former abyss, it was still very isolated. And as we prayed, we asked the Lord to label the trees so that we could know what they represented. And she knew then that these trees represented all the friends that had forsaken her. And something that her father had told her came to her mind. Her father had told her that friends will come and go, but family will always be there. While this was supposed to be a comforting thought, it had become a kind of pronouncement over her. And after her father said this, time and time again, she would approach each relationship wondering if what her dad said would ring true. Would this new friend let her down or abandon her? As this concern grew, her friends would sense that she was distant because of her fear of abandonment. And so they'd reassure her, saying, no, we're not like that. We'll be a faithful friend. However, it seemed that over time, for one reason or another, she would become estranged from them and find that what her father had said was coming to pass again. So the more that it happened, the more weight the father's words had. Another result of the father's statement was that over time, it created unhealthy dependence on her family. To illustrate this dependency, as a sophomore in college, she was on average calling her mother about five times a day. Her social time and her energy were all taken up with her mom instead of building these deeper relationships with friends in college. So then what happened? I asked her if she maybe could possibly reach out and touch the trees. So you didn't introduce the trees, but since the Lord was bringing this up in prayer, you asked her what could be done with them. So why did you think it wasn't more than just a picture, something one-dimensional? Yeah, it just sort of came to me in the moment. If you remember back to episode three, I had attempted to pull a root from the garden of my heart, and when I prayed with Madison about the purple thing, Jesus carried her past it, so that when that thought came to me about her touching the trees, I just went with it. So in this circumstance, why didn't you ask Jesus to do it? Why did you ask her? Keep in mind, at this point in my prayer experiments, I'm still trying to understand what's going on and trying to get a feel if God is really in this. I'm trying not to introduce any imagery myself so that I would know that it's not me who's doing it. This is especially true of introducing Jesus. I was in some ways testing to see if Jesus would just show up on his own. There's just something more powerful about him showing up without being directly asked. So sometimes we've seen where it seems like the Lord is leading them through this scene, and sometimes his presence seems tangible, and then interaction with him just seems like the next thing to do. In Madison's case, she brought up that it had to be Jesus to help her move forward with that purple thing. Yes, and I didn't introduce Jesus to carry her, and in the same way I didn't introduce Jesus into the imagery with Emily when he filled in the abyss. So back to the trees. Yes. So she reached out her hand and touched the first tree. It crumbled and then completely disappeared. This happened to every tree in the circle as she touched them. Every tree was hollow. So that is except for one. What was special about that tree? Well, as we prayed, I asked God to label this tree, and it became very clear that this represented her mother. And so I thought, well, that makes sense. We wouldn't want that one to crumble. So I asked, Lord, would you show her what do we want to do with this tree? And that's when Jesus showed up to help her with the tree. And with Jesus' help, that tree crumbled too. What did you think of that? Well, it actually concerned me a bit at first. I said, but that tree's your mother. What happened to her? Is your mom okay? Does she still exist? And she assured me, yes, my mom still exists somewhere. But she explained that it didn't really matter where. All that mattered was that Jesus was now in his proper place. How so? Well, it's quite amazing, actually. After the trees were gone, a path opened up. And she walked with Jesus down this long path with pink flowers covering the landscape on both sides. Jesus brought the first pink flower that she'd seen in her first prayer session and put it among all the other flowers. And she was now walking with Jesus from where she was down this path. Considering we've been used to meeting with students for weeks or months, the fact that life problems seemed to be coming into clarity in moments was just 
baffling to us. This seemed like a literal ministering to her spirit by the Holy Spirit, bringing things together, encouraging her, and giving her hope with a new path. It was amazing. Keep in mind, this is one of the first times that I had prayed through things with anybody. And so when she said the next thing, it just absolutely floored me. It was as though she was suddenly processing a lot of information all at once, and she said, I've been going to counseling for the last seven years, but now that Jesus is in his proper place, everything suddenly makes sense that my counselors have been trying to tell me. And counseling can play such an important role, so what did you think about that? It did at first make me question the value of counseling, but within seconds I thought, I'm so happy for this counselor. Imagine the patience it must have taken to work with someone for seven years and have them not understand what you're trying to lead them into. And now everything that they had said is now going to be life-changing for her. So their time wasn't wasted. So to summarize Emily's old story, when she was young, her father said, friends will come and go, but family is forever. While this was intended to be encouraging for her, it became a pronouncement or a curse over her, and she came to expect and fear that every non-family relationship was going to end with him abandoning her. And as life situations changed, and as they were no longer in her life in the way that they formerly were, her friend's promises to not abandon her seemed to only make things worse. As a result, she developed an unhealthy dependence on her mother, calling her like five times a day. While at the same time, she pulled away from non-family relationships to the point that her emotional state felt like this empty abyss that sucked all empowering emotions out of her life, and even her relationship with God suffered. This old story began to change when, in our first prayer session, Jesus healed her emotional void, filling her abyss, and replanting her in the middle of this new, fresh soil as she was the pink flower. Although this was definitely progress, the dead remains of past relationships cast a shadow over her that blocked out everyone else in the world and all light from shining in. Once she discovered that she had the power to crumble the shell of these old relationships and that with Jesus' help she could let go of her unhealthy reliance on her mother, she was now free to live and walk among the other flowers as she walked with Jesus. Exactly. Great summary. As we finish this episode, it might be a good time to talk a little bit about the relationship between listening prayer and counseling. The more that we prayed with people and saw breakthroughs within an hour and a half, the more that we began getting people who would tell us they had gotten further in a single prayer session than they had in many counseling sessions. I believe that part of the reason for this is that we're partnering with the Holy Spirit, who Jesus calls the Mighty Counselor, and as we do, we're asking him to lead us into the truth. The second reason is that our focus is on listening to the Lord in prayer rather than sharing their version of their story. Yeah, and often in counseling, it can take quite a bit of time just for them to tell the story, let alone for them to begin to work through the lies and the truth of it. They're telling their story as best as they can describe what they know is happening. Even though their stories are autobiographical and they are speaking honestly, they are not speaking truthfully because sometimes the Holy Spirit has to bring to light what it is that's affecting them. There are lies that seem so normal that they cannot see them and they cannot explain that. Often during conferences, we'll get questions like, do you think that listening prayer could or should replace counseling? And when you first start to see amazing breakthroughs in such a short period of time over and over again, it can seem like a real possibility. However, we need to be careful not to jump to quick conclusions. My answer is always to say, there's my hope that listening prayer will become part of Christian counseling, but to say that replace Christian counseling is like saying that listening prayer could replace discipleship, and we certainly wouldn't want to do that. Yes, often life change is immediate. 
And sometimes that life-changing lie is brought to light and the truth can just flood into its place. But there are still new patterns to walk out and a web of other habits and lies that the Lord wants to dismantle. And this is often a new beginning that frees them to live a life in another way. But we still need others to help us process our story and often sharing our story and having someone else help us process our lives through conversation and counseling is still a huge help. Well, we're out of time, so we need to wrap this episode. These discussions concerning life change through prayer, imagery and symbolism, and trading lies for truth will continue to be topics that will often come up as we recount prayer sessions. If these things are new for you, keep listening. In future episodes, we'll continue to unpack the biblical basis for these things and continue to equip you to experience inner healing and develop intimacy with Christ through prayer. If you're blessed by what you're hearing, please leave us a review and share this podcast with somebody you know will like it too. See you next week. Did you know that we often lead listening and inner healing prayer retreats and trainings? Who do you know that would benefit from these? Check us out at praythroughit.com slash events to see when we are going to be in your area. And if you don't see what you're looking for, email Dawn at drlove at praythroughit.com to discuss how we can minister to your family and friends. Unquenchable is a ministry of Pray Through It Ministries. To learn more about us and our ministry, check us out at praythroughit.com.